just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Mine is so far so good, but it's early, so I'm not going to get cocky about it. Yesterday I did two podcasts, the normal podcast, which you no doubt heard, but I did a second podcast with my reoccurring guest, Ed. It's a good show. If you haven't checked it out, by all means, do so. Now, there's plenty of stuff happening in the world and in this country. That's the good thing about doing TikToks and podcasts. There's always plenty of material. There's always something fucked up, crazy, bad, dramatic, tragic, funny, whatever. There's always something going on. So I'm never at a loss for things to talk about. I'm never at a loss for words, but that goes without saying. So let's get to what's going on in the world and in this country right now. New York Attorney General Letitia James asked Donald Trump to turn over documents for her civil lawsuit against the Trump Organization and Donald Trump himself. And, of course, to date, he's refused to comply. Now, Attorney General James then asked the judge to find Donald Trump in contempt of court. Judge agreed to that and, in addition, instituted a $10,000 a day fine until he complies. Well, now, of course, Donnie doesn't like this. He's upset about it. He does what he does. He tries to delay things. He tries to confuse things, throw chaos into the mix. And, of course, he appealed this decision. Unfortunately, Donald Trump and his people were very fucking lazy about it. Trump filed a one-page affidavit. Trump said in that sworn affidavit that he doesn't have any documents sought by the New York Attorney General's office. He's basically saying the only reason I didn't turn anything over because I got nothing. Well, unfortunately, we all know that Donald Trump is a pathological liar. And uh, when he says he doesn't have something, you can almost guarantee that he does have a lot of shit. We know he stole a bunch of things from the White House. We know he shredded some, burnt some, ate some, some flushed down the toilet. He's very prolific when it comes to destroying um, official records. But apparently he does have some records, and the the judge, judge wasn't feeling it. After a brief telephonic hearing, the judge denied Trump's motion to allow him to get by with this and not submit anything. The judge said Mr. Trump's personal affidavit is completely devoid of any useful detail. Notably, it fails to state where he kept his files, how his files were stored in the regular course of business, who had access to such files, what, if any, the retention policy were for such files. The judge found that Trump's sworn statement was unsatisfactory. So, Trump Well, he needs to comply. He needs to turn these things over. Now, he claims he doesn't have them, but like I say, he's a fucking liar, so it's probably unlikely that he does. Uh, Unlikely that he doesn't have these things. It's likely that he does, and he's going to have to turn them over. And he's not going to be able to stop 
this $10,000 a day fine. Now, I know people will say, well, he's got lots of money. That won't hurt him. He'll just do it. You're going to do that for the rest of your life because that's what it'll be. Until you turn over those files and those documents, you're going to be paying that $10,000 a day. And as I've said before, the big issue here with Donald Trump isn't so much the money. It's that he keeps losing. As a narcissist, they hate to appear as a loser. So now this gets reported in the news, and once again, Donald Trump looks like a loser. I mean, something like this is happening every day. Every day something comes up that shows Donald Trump lost again. And you can bet that this is really irking Donald Trump. You could say a lot of things about Donald Trump, but if you call him a loser, that's the one thing that's going to make him snap. He is going to get excited. He's going to get upset. And that's part of the reason why he doesn't like to testify. First of all, he has an aversion to the truth. And when you're under oath giving testimony, not telling the truth is a problem because that's perjury and that's yet another offense. But if you've ever seen any of the depositions that he's done, they're not unlike the interview he did with Piers Morgan. When they start asking hard questions that he can answer but refuses to answer or doesn't want to answer, he gets angry. He gets flustered. That orange face turns to red. And what he'll do is he'll babble or he'll say things that don't have anything to do with what you're talking about, or he'll try to get up and leave. Unfortunately, when you're under oath and you're testifying, you don't really have that option. You're not going to be able to get up and leave. If you just refuse to comply with uh, the courts, you could technically be put in jail for contempt of court. Now, by not turning over these records or these documents, theoretically, the judge could put him in jail until such time he complies. That might be a problematic thing because he's a former president, he's got secret service, and there's a lot of different issues. So I'm sure they would try to avoid that. But the question is, if he continues not to comply and continues to get these fines, what's he going to do? See, Donald Trump is in a bad spot right now. The worst spot you can be in if you're a narcissist. You are now kind of cornered with really no way out. And narcissists hate this. They think they're so smart and they're so smooth that they can talk their way out of anything. But inevitably, for every narcissist, they get to a point where they're caught. No matter what they say or do, their power's been taken away from them and they can't talk their way out of it. And that's when things get kind of ugly. That's where they can get violent or just fucking crazy. And we're getting closer to that time with Donald Trump. He is going to start to lose it eventually because there's nothing he can do. There's nobody he can turn to like a lawyer or a judge or whatever and get them to work with him. He's losing a lot of power amongst the people who follow him. A lot of them are stepping away because of how he looks. Uh, He doesn't have the resources he had when he was president. He doesn't have the security or the protection he had when he was president. So things are getting to be a problem for Donald Trump. And you can bet behind the scenes, he's getting a little fucking crazy because we know Donald Trump has a problem with his temper. So now he is forced to comply with providing documents he says he doesn't have. Now, let's be honest. 
theoretically, he may not have them because he has a history of destroying documents. He may be destroyed these very documents that they're asking for. But if he admits he destroyed them, well, that's another criminal act. So he's stuck here. He doesn't know what to do. Maybe he does have them, and whatever in them is, uh, is implicating him in some other crime. So, of course, he doesn't want to give them up, but he's got no way out here. The judge isn't allowing him to delay it. The judge isn't allowing him to get away with it. They always say that no one's above the law, and it's always looked like Donald Trump has been above the law. But you know what? Today, in this situation, he's not above the law, and he's caught... And it's going to be interesting to see what he does. All right, Fox News's Sean Hannity and Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows exchanged 82 texts from Election Day 2020 through Joe Biden's inauguration. Now, these texts were among the 2,319 texts that Mark Meadows voluntarily submitted to the January 6th committee for the investigation of the insurrection. Now, these texts reveal that uh, Sean Hannity essentially worked as a shadow employee or even a shadow chief of staff for the Trump administration. He not only gave advice to Mark Meadows and to Donald Trump, but he also received specific orders from Meadows. It basically made Fox News kind of a state media. Now, on Election Day, Meadows texted Hannity, Stress Every vote matters. Get out and vote on radio. Hannity replied, yes, sir, I'm on it. (laughs) Any place in particular we need to push. And then, of course, Meadows said, well, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Arizona, Nevada. Hannity said, got it. (laughs) Hannity was basically a policymaker at this point. He's on TV. He's a commentator. He's not a newsman. He's admitted to that. And everything he's done shows that he's not a newsman. Fox News isn't even uh, registered as a news entity. It's an entertainment entity. So while this has been pretty unethical for Hannity to do, it's probably not illegal. However, it is probably illegal for Mark Meadows. Now, here's a guy that has all kinds of trouble. When this all first started, the investigation, nobody was talking about Mark Meadows. But now we're seeing all these texts from members of Congress, from Sean Hannity and other press. And it's really exposing how deeply Mark Meadows was involved. And then you throw in the fact we find out he voted three times in three different states illegally while he was complaining about election fraud with the Democrats. This guy is a fucking piece of work. This guy is going to have some big problems. People always say, well, Donald Trump will never go to jail. And you know what? They may be right, because it's kind of unprecedented for a president to go to jail. That offers up all kinds of complications. But if you remember back, if you're old enough to remember back to the uh, Watergate hearings and all that went down there, You know, a lot of people around uh, Richard Nixon did go to jail. They weren't above the law. Remember uh, the attorney general and some of his administration, they went to jail. And you can expect to see much the same here. And one of the biggest marks out there has got to be Mark Meadows. Uh, 
he was so deeply involved, he was working right next to Donald Trump. And while Donald Trump may be guilty of a lot of things, Mark Meadows has to be complicit too. He was the one running the show. So Mark Meadows is really worrying about some shit here. And as far as the insurrection, he was obviously tied in very deep. But all you have to consider is the three times he voted for president, and he did it illegally. There are people that do jail terms just for that. Mark Meadows, we didn't talk about at first, but this motherfucker is in some trouble right now. Now, business host, I'll try to say this properly. I don't watch Fox News, uh, so I don't, I know who she is. Maria Bartiromo even gave Meadows questions she was going to ask Donald Trump in their upcoming interview. Then she says, please make sure he doesn't go off on tangents. We want to know he is strong, he's a fighter, and that he will win. (laughs) It's like they're dealing with a little kid. All right, he's going to do this. That's cool. That's fine. But please have him behave. Have him be professional. Try to have him be an adult. Well, of course, that's a lot to ask. That's too much to ask. Donald Trump is not going to behave. Tangents are his what he's famous for. He can start out at one spot, and then he tries to spin it off to something else, and then he spins off to something else, mainly because he can't answer the first question honestly. And the fact is, he can't answer answer anything honestly at this point. So uh, Maria decided to uh, give him some questions up front so it wasn't going to be hard for him. But you know what? She asked him, you know, we know there's a lot of evidence of election fraud, so tell us about the evidence. (laughs) Well, of course, there's no evidence, so he couldn't give anything. So even though he was warned about this ahead of time, he had no planned response for it. He had no evidence to show. And of course, he looked foolish. And of course, he went off on tangents. So even if he's warned by the media outlet and given the questions ahead of time, he still cannot come out looking good on these things. Hannity then even told Meadows that you need to spend half your time doing business with us. What's that mean? You need to spend half your time doing business with us. Does that mean he needs to spend half the time going on Fox News? Or does that mean they have to spend half their money in advertising at Fox News? I don't know what that means. But Sean Hannity is a fucking grifter too, so it could mean anything. Hannity's support seemed to wane a little bit or change on around December 22nd when he started uh, pushing or, or bashing the lunatics. Still, he stayed on the job working for Donald Trump. I mean, he saw that these people, these insurrectionists, were fucking crazy. And so he started speaking up. Even he could not lie about that or, or, or be blinded to what was going on. So he had to speak up. And he did. But somehow he still still kept working for Donald Trump. He knew that this was fucked up. He knew that these people were crazy. But still, he continued the fight. I don't know. 
This whole connection to Fox News is going to be problematic for Fox News. As I said, it may be tough to jail Donald Trump, but there may be some issues with Fox News. It's more likely with Mark Meadows because Fox News is a separate entity, but uh, there could be some issues, and some of these people could be called on the carpet. All right. Representative Jamie Raskin directly called out Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and called her one of Vladimir Putin's cheerleaders. He urged Americans to stand on the right side of history. And oh, damn, isn't that correct? I mean, these people think they're getting away with something by lying or distracting or diverting or saying there's nothing here. They have to know that five, ten years from now, when we look back on history, they're going to look like treasonous. They're going to look like fools. They will be pariahs in this world. And a lot of these people will still want to have careers five and ten years from now, but they won't be able to because they'll be sent away in shame because of the things they did. They think by just passing it off or saying it's nothing that they're going to get away with this. Whether they go to jail or not, they're not going to get away with this. Five or ten years from now, when more uh, millennials and more uh, Gen Zers are in charge, we're going to see this, and the feelings of the young people of this country are going to be a lot different than what we're seeing now. The era of the old white man is going to go by the wayside. They're going to take control, and there's going to be a lot of ridicule about how things were handled during that time. Now, Raskin is a member of the January 6th committee to investigate the insurrection. He lashed out at Green for her comments last month on the radio, where she blamed Ukraine uh, for being invaded by Russia. Yeah, she blamed Ukraine for Russia invading them. And how, why do they deserve the blame? He basically, she basically said uh, it was their fault because they kept poking the bear. Well, that's not exactly what happened. Ukraine was just trying to live their best life, live in freedom, live in democracy, try to do some good things. But Vladimir Putin got all butthurt because he saw democracy coming in. He saw Western ways coming in. He thought of them as part of Russia because of the old Soviet Union, and he wanted to be a hero and pull them back into the fold. But Ukraine didn't want that. But somehow, someway, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that probably barely passed high school, can't figure out that it's Russia's fault and now instead blames Ukraine for poking the fucking bear. Raskin said that Greene was reported as, a, as saying that, the, that, NATO, that NATO was supporting neo-Nazis in Ukraine. The very justification the Kremlin has used for their invasion. So she's picking up the Kremlin's and Vladimir Putin's talking points and repeating that. Yeah, she's a good American. She's a good patriot. Now, Raskin asked for May 4th to be recognized as National Day of Reason. It seems like kind of an ironic thing to have going on in this country because reason hasn't been in the mix for a long time. He said, right now, authoritarian despots from Moscow to Mar-a-Lago, 
I like that one, are promoting conspiracy theories, bigotry, and propaganda to undermine the habits of critical thinking and logical reasoning that are central to our democracy. We need to combat the flood of disinformation and lies in order to restore truth and reason to the rightful place in our democracy. And it couldn't be better said. He's absolutely right. We're in like bizarro world. All the things that we would have thought we're now told are just the opposite. We don't believe in truth and righteousness. We believe in lies and conspiracy theories. Now, most of us don't believe it, but there's enough people that do that make it difficult to run this country. We've got a Republican Party who is basically criminals based on the insurrection, their compliance with Russia. They're criminals, and they keep coming. And there are people that are the base, 30%, that will believe them no matter what happens. And then there's the middle crowd from uh, the centrist all the way down to, we'll put it this way, there's probably about 65% of the Republicans who see themselves as normal, don't buy into the bullshit, but they're hardcore Republicans, so that's how they vote. At some point, they have to realize that, yes, you're a Republican, and yes, you hate the Democrats, but if you're voting for Republicans, now you're voting for insurrection, and you're voting for supporting Vladimir Putin, and all of this is wrong. It's the exact opposite of what we should be doing in this country. Now, then he said, the thing is that should be a given What he said there should be a given. I mean, this is how the country should be. But those are the basic tenets of our government. But they're not being recognized. This is how far we've drifted off our path. We know what this country has been about for years and decades and centuries. We're about democracy. We're about truth and justice above all. But somehow we've been dragged off this path, and now we are supposed to believe conspiracy theories, believe in despots, authoritarians, and and to consider the fact to make this country an authoritarian government, which is exactly the opposite of what the Constitution tells us and, uh, and, and what our forefathers wanted for this country. The things that are happening in this country are the very things that our forefathers feared, and that's why they created the Constitution, to help avoid those things. But one famous man, one of our forefathers, said, democracy is great as long as you can keep it. And what he meant by that was, we've got to fight for it. Now, for the longest time, we haven't felt like we needed to fight for it. It wasn't in as much trouble as it is now, but it is a problem now. And that's why it's important that all of us understand that we have to fight for it. You can't just sit by the wayside and hope to God that it's going to work itself out. Because without a fight, it's not going to work itself out. It's going to go badly. And it's going to keep getting worse until there's no way home. So it's important to speak up, speak up, push back, control the narrative and shove it down the Republicans' throats. They don't care how this country ends up as long as they regain power and they get to do whatever they want. That cannot happen in this country. We're sitting very precariously now leading up to the midterms. And the midterms are important. The midterms 
will decide what happens over the next two years. If the Republicans win the majority in the House and the Senate, you know what's going to happen the next two years? Fucking nothing. If there comes a situation where Joe Biden has to appoint a new um, a, a new Supreme Court justice, should that happen? What are the Republicans going to do? We know what they're going to do because they've already done it once. They're going to block it. Make it so the Democrats can't appoint somebody to the Supreme Court. And they'll hope against hope that in the next presidential election, it'll be a Republican so they instead can appoint their choice on the Supreme Court. And then we'll get somebody like Brett Kavanaugh or Amy Coney Barrett, who are fucking should have no business being on the Supreme Court. That's what we have ahead of us if we don't fight for our democracy. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. So in the past week or so, you no doubt heard about this book, This Shall Not Pass. It's basically a takeoff on the old phrase, this too shall pass, as suggesting that everything will be okay eventually. This is just the opposite, and it's based on what was going on with the Trump administration. Now, there's been a lot of telling things coming out of this book, and this story I find kind of interesting. It's not important. It's not even necessarily illegal by the Trump administration, but it typifies who the Trump administration is and who Donald Trump is. They're unsophisticated. They're rubes. They're fucking hillbillies. And let me just say, if we have any hillbillies out there listening, I'm not, I don't mean to demean hillbillies. I don't know any hillbillies, so I don't know if they're bad or good. It's just something that came out of my mouth. I apologize if you're a hillbilly. I love you anyway. <laughs> We've been hearing a lot about this book, and there's this story that came out in this book that I find interesting. You're not going to see it on the news channels necessarily because it's not a big story. But I find it quite entertaining. Now, in the book, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, sitting New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, revealed that there was a strange room right next to the Oval Office when former President Donald Trump was in office. Now, while the White House should be a separate entity from a presidential campaign. You have the candidate and the person, but you have the office of the presidency. Apparently, Donald Trump kept a room next to the Oval Office filled with MAGA merch. Yeah, you open the door and there's Trump 24 t-shirts, Trump 2020 hats, all this crazy bullshit. I mean, here you've got the Oval Office and right next door is this little merch room. Kind of an Oval Office gift shop. Oh, for fuck's sake. Anyway, Murphy said they literally hand you a shopping bag and you can take anything you like, which surprised me. I would have thought that Trump would have charged people. He would have had his little iPad with his little card scanner on it. He'd run 20 bucks and give you a hat. But no, that wasn't the case. In fact, there was no charge. It was like sending a kid in after a pinata has been broken. You got a bag and you start stuffing your bag with all this great cool stuff. All this Trump 2020 shit. There wasn't Let's Go Brandon at this point because it was too early, but I can just imagine. Uh, 
You know, it's funny, when I drove around where I live in certain parts of the metro area, you would go and they were strongholds for Trump. You knew that. You knew that by just looking at the fucking people. They have this blank stare and uh, they don't appear to have a lot of intelligence. But you'd always see these little merch shops. Uh, There was even one guy in a town who had a construction company who had this 100-foot by 50-foot flag of Trump 2020 on a crane, which was an eyesore to the town, and they ended up forcing him to take it down. But before he took it down, they had Trump 2020, and then he took it down and he put up a different flag, and it said Trump JFK Jr. 2024-2020. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. This guy was fined every day, not unlike Donald Trump, without, with him not turning over these documents. But that obviously went away eventually, and all these merch shops uh, went away eventually, well after the election. And it was funny, I pulled up to a merch shop one time just for a laugh, and uh, the sign on it said, Closing, everything must go. Oh, wow, you hear that? That noise in the background, that is lightning and thunder. I'm sorry, I don't sit in a studio and you're going to get that noise. Normally you don't get noise, but that's weird. It's the end of April and we've got a thunderstorm going on outside. So please bear with me with the background noise. I don't know how that's all going to work out. And I'm not going to stop doing the show. Now, Murphy said they literally handed you the shopping bag and you went in and you grabbed anything. And there was no charge. It was absolutely free. This was during the pandemic, you know, when everything was shut down. Murphy was taken aback when he realized that when governors of states came in to talk to Donald Trump, including him, looking for help for the respective states, Donald Trump expected to get something in return. (laughs) Oh, that's not a big surprise. It's basically what he called the recipient. Uh, how do I say this? I, 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 I know how to say this. Reciprocity. Okay. Why I can't. It's late at night. It's like, um, I don't know, two in the morning. This is when I'm recording it. Reciprocity. That's what Donald Trump ca- called it. But when in fact it was really nothing more than quid pro quo. And that's what Donald Trump was doing. We've got... Uh, Uh, tragedy going on in this country. People are dying by the hundreds of thousands. States are coming into Donald Trump and saying, please, we need some help. We've got people struggling. We've got people out of business. We've got people with no money. Please help us. And Donald Trump was willing to help them in one regard or another, but only if he got something back. Isn't that typical of Donald Trump? It's always got to be quid pro quo with him. He has no idea how to be a president of the United States, serve the public, and serve the states. No, he needs to get a kickback on everything he fucking does. Now, this is a clown show. The most respected office in our country, occupied by the world's most powerful man, became a joke when Donald Trump entered the office. Now, to me, seeing Donald Trump in the Oval Office as President of the United States 
doing what he did to this country, to me it's similar to someone moving into your neighborhood, putting their appliances on their porch, putting furniture and wrecked cars in the yard, and not keeping up their property. Except Trump was doing it to the whole fucking country. He was basically flipping off the whole country and telling you, ah, this is how we're doing business now, kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies, except with less class. That's who Donald Trump is. He's classless. He's tactless. He's not very smart. And he's one of the most dangerous people in the world. I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you're not a very smart person, but you understand that and you're willing to learn, that's cool. You're okay. But if you're dumb as fuck and you think you're a genius like he does, those people are dangerous. And I think the past five years, we've seen exactly what I meant. They are dangerous, and they are troublesome, and they are not good for this country. So Donald Trump basically <laughs> basically turned this uh, the White House or the Oval Office into a place to find Trump merch and to grift money from other states or grift favors from other states. That's why he felt so good about calling these states and saying, hey, you know, do me a solid, overturn this election. He figured they owed him. And he figured that was fair in the circumstances. Donald Trump did more damage to this country than we know. And it's going to take decades to recover from it. He is a slime ball. And he made this country appear to be less than what it is. Now, I wanted to talk about this. I I hear this all the time, and I think I finally figured out why Republicans are so adamant about election fraud in the 2020 election. Because every time I talk to them, I hear the same thing. It's because they cannot believe that Joe Biden could have possibly gotten 81 million votes, the most votes for any, pre, any candidate for president in history. There's never been that many votes for any candidate for president. I mean, they're looking at this like, Sleepy Joe, he has no charisma, he's not a tough guy, he's not a good candidate, he's nothing like Donald Trump. They just can't comprehend how he did it, how he got 81 million votes without uh, cheating, so there has to be some election fraud. That's how they think. That's the only way that they could see Joe Biden getting 81 million votes. But as so often is the case, dumb fuck Trumplifucks are always missing out on something, something they don't see or understand. See, Biden didn't get 81 million votes because he's the greatest candidate ever. He didn't get 81 million votes because there was election fraud. I mean, let's be honest. Republicans haven't shown us one shred of evidence of election fraud. Joe Biden didn't get this because he was charismatic or because he was a tough guy or he was anything like Donald Trump. Now, quite the opposite happened. Joe Biden got 81 million votes because 81 million people were scared to death that that dipshit diaper Donnie would get reelected. They saw the havoc he wreaked in his first term, and they were concerned. They were worried, given a second term, he would destroy this country. And it turns out those fears were well-founded. 
he could very well have destroyed this country. He did more damage to this country in his four years than any other president has done. And we've had some shitty presidents before, but he ends up being the fucking worst. As I said, we're going to take decades to come back from the shit he did. Not even the illegal shit, just the way he ran the country, just the way he treated our allies. You can't just flip a switch and go back to the way it was after Donald Trump shit all over it. So that's going to take some time. And it's going to take time well beyond Joe Biden. So that's why it's important we don't put another Republican in the Oval Office for a long time until they come up with some ideas of doing this better. Because we slipped a lot during the Trump administration in many ways. And if we don't continue to try to dig ourselves out of it, we'll fall back into that pit quick, fast, and in a hurry. The reason people voted for Joe Biden more than anything is they were scared to death. So the fact of the matter is the person responsible for Joe Biden getting 81 million votes is, in fact, Donald Trump and all his little trump They were afraid of what might happen should they get back in power. So as much as they can't believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes for whatever reason, they don't realize that they did it to themselves. They were so outrageous, so criminal, so corrupt that people wanted him gone. It's Donald Trump and the trump that got Joe Biden 81 million votes. Now, I'm not saying Joe Biden's not a good president, and I'm not saying that he isn't going to do a good job. I hope against hope that he does, and I think he's doing fine right now. But when the election came about, Joe Biden wasn't my first idea for a president. I didn't think he was a good choice, mainly because he was too old. He was 78. Sure, his cognizance is fine. And sure, he's doing a good job. But it's about time at some point we get younger people into the mix. The millennials and the Gen Zers are really about the future here. The future isn't ours, it's theirs. So maybe the younger people should get in and start setting things up the way they're going to need in their future. A future where we won't exist. But it turns out Joe Biden was a good choice. He said when he came into office that he was going to be a transition president. Nobody really paid much attention to it, but he makes a good point. He understood that he wouldn't be the world beater some of these younger people would be. He knew he would be good. He's experienced. He spent 40 years in the Senate. So he'd be a good choice. But we were coming out of a disaster, and we needed somebody who knew what they were doing to make that transition to try to get this country back on track. So Joe Biden was the perfect one to do that. And at that point, he was the only one out there that looked like he could beat Donald Trump. So he was the perfect choice, even though many of us thought he wasn't the best candidate. He was the best person for the time. And he's proven that to be true as he's in the Oval Office right now. Now, what's important is we need this same kind of energy going into the November midterms. As scary as the 2020 election was, the midterms are just as concerning and just as scary. This one doesn't involve Trump, of course. But there are his minions and the ideology and the crazy fucking shit these Trumplicans are trying to troll out. I mean, we are looking at Arizona 
where they've got more QAnon candidates than you can possibly count. More candidates that are connected to QAnon in Arizona than any place else in the country. What the fuck is going on with Arizona? I mean, we had a guy, and I talked about it in the last podcast, who's running for Congress, who is the person that's supposed to be or thought to be QAnon, along with his father. And he's running for Congress. I don't know if he has a legitimate chance, but the fact that he's even up there and part of a debate like he was the other day is frightening. I mean, this guy is an idiot. He's not very bright. We talked about it in the last podcast, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, check the podcast with Ed and I. But this is all very scary right now. As much as we had to worry about not letting Donald Trump back in office, we really need to keep the Republicans at bay when it comes to the House and the Senate. We have small majorities for the Democrats in the House and the Senate. And that isn't even enough. We can't let them win the House or the Senate and take the majority because, as I said, for two years, the final two years of uh, Biden's presidency, or at least his first term, nothing is going to happen. Nothing good is going to happen. We've got a lot of problems going on in this world. We need people to take action, do some things, not only to take care of us, but to take care of things going on in the world. If the Republicans take over, in November, well, that all stops. Nothing will happen, and we'll start falling back down that hole. So when it comes to going out and voting in November, we have to have the same energy we had in 2020. We have to be just as concerned. We have to be just as scared because the the chances of us going south, should the Republicans can get in, That's a real concern. We just got out of the Donald Trump era. We're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. But you know what? If the Republicans get in in the House and the Senate, that light's going to be shut off just like that. And here's the other thing to consider. Even if the the Democrats maintain control of the Senate and the House, we still have a problem because of the likes of Manchin and Sinema in the Senate. They're blocking everything we want to do, too. So in addition to winning the Senate and the House, we now must also expand the majorities, expand the majority in the House. We've got a majority. We can usually win there, but we need a bigger majority in the House. But in the Senate, we need more Democratic senators. We need to take it to a point where Joe Manchin and Christian Sinema aren't relevant anymore. It doesn't matter. They can vote whatever way they want. We have enough Democratic senators to beat them. That's what we need to do. Everybody talks about, let's get rid of cinema. Let's get rid of Manchin. Well, we're not getting rid of anything with regards to them until their next election. Cinema probably not going to be back. Manchin, he'll be there as long as he wants to be there. So if we know that, now we just have to make them irrelevant. And the way we do that is get more Democratic senators. And uh, and so we've got to consider that when we're coming up to the midterms. Joe Biden didn't beat Donald Trump because he was a great candidate. He may end up being a great president, but it wasn't because he was a great candidate. It was because Democrats were afraid of Donald Trump. 
What I'm saying is you should still be afraid. You should still be worried about what might happen if the Republicans take over. The 2020 election got a lot of people who were just sitting on the sidelines, got them to get up and go vote when they normally wouldn't because they were afraid. Well, if you were afraid in 2020, you need to be concerned about 2022 as well. All right, this last story, kind of a sad story. It has to do with the Ukrainian war with Russia. Now, do you remember the story about uh, the ghost of Kiev? Yeah, he was kind of a mythical character, but he was real. The story goes that he was a fighter pilot in Ukraine. He had his own plane. I don't know how that was possible. He would show up and engage in dogfights with Russian fighter jets. And he had an uncanny ability to take them out, notch kill after kill, and stay in the air. He took down six Russian jets the first time out. So this guy's pretty prolific. And he ended up being kind of a legend who was real. He wasn't a fake. It was true. They had video footage of him. And he was out there shooting down Russian planes. Now, it's been decades since anyone was called a flying ace, you know, back at World War II and all that stuff. But he was literally an ace. The ghost of Kiev or Kiev was a fighting, jet fighting ace. Well, the news out yesterday said that the ghost of Kiev was shot down and killed around the 15th of March, which is sad news. I mean, when you're up as much as he is, the odds are against you, ultimately. The interesting news is that by the time he was shot down and killed, his kill count was about 40 downed Russian jets. One man took down 40 downed Russian jets. It's a sad end to an amazing story and or legend, but clearly the ghost of Kiev is a Ukrainian hero. And that's the thing about Ukraine. We're finding out there's a lot of heroes there. There's a lot of people taking a lot of risk to save their country. And that's admirable. You have to wonder how people in America would react if that same thing happened here. Would average Joes pull out rifles and go fight against whatever evil empire was coming in to uh, take us over? I would hope that would be the true uh, that would be true but who knows who knows the people in America are a little softer and there's a lot of people out here in this country that aren't in a position to fight back now you're probably saying to yourself well that would never happen here in America so we never have to worry about that at this point in time that's true there's no way to comprehend anybody would ever do that But if Russia is able to continue to do what they do, they are going to do it to other countries. There's talk that they might do it with Moldova. And uh, after Moldova, who else is next? While we've been pretty strong as a country, and no one really has invaded our country, the closest thing we had was Pearl Harbor, of course. That was when uh, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. But as we know, in the end... Japan found around, uh, uh, fucked around and found out. And now we're buddies with Japan. Go figure. But we have to be realistically concerned about what the future of this world is. 
There are things happening now that we never imagined. So it's conceivable that decades from now, other things that we don't imagine now could happen. So we have to be prepared. We have to be strong. And this is why we have to push back in Ukraine. Because if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. We know this with Russia. We've got to put this to an end. We've got to put Vladimir Putin to an end. Because if we don't, we don't know what else is going to happen. And once he does something like this, who's to say some other fucking vicious dictator doesn't try to do the same thing? Probably not with America, but maybe someplace in Europe, maybe someplace elsewhere. This world is kind of a volatile place right now. There's a lot of crazy people out there. There are a lot of uh, murderous despots out there. Kim Jong-un in uh, North Korea, Erdogan in Turkey. There's a lot of these people out there. And most of them wouldn't fuck with America. I, I Honestly, I don't think Russia would fuck with America, even in the offing of a nuclear war. They talk big, but that's how bullies talk. When it came down to doing it, they're not going to do it. There's nobody that wins a nuclear war. Everybody's going to die. And who's going to walk into that unless you're crazy? And even if you are crazy, there's plenty of other people who would say, whoa, whoa, no, we're not doing that. But we're in a volatile position in this country and in the world. And we've got to find some way to settle things down, even things out, so that we can be comfortable again and live our life. There will always be problems out there. But never before have I seen it this, this rocky. Now, as I've said, the 60s were bad, too, and maybe worse than what we're dealing with now. But now we're talking about wars that affect us directly that affect our economy. And this is something we need to attend to, and this is something we need to fix. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your day to listen to this show. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.